Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello, friends. I'm glad you made it this week. I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Okay, question. When I say the word hospitality, what comes to mind for you? Maybe it's a particular place, a taste or a smell, an entire meal. Maybe it's a specific person or just a prominent feeling. For me, it's my grandma Foot. Don't laugh. Yes, her last name was Foot, and she would have been way too nice to kick you in the butt with that foot for making fun of her name, but I'm not. So watch it. Okay, Grandma Foot. I remember vividly every time we went to visit Grandma, we would walk up to her apartment, ring the bell, and after a short wait, her door would open, and without fail, the first thing she would say was, Get in my house. She didn't just invite you to come in, she compelled you. She demanded that you come in. Her desire to welcome you into her space and to take good care of you was so strong, it was undeniable. She's by far one of my earliest memories of genuine hospitality. Well, today we get to hear from Annie and Mike, a couple who have made it the mission of their marriage to embody hospitality and to help people know the warm welcome of Jesus when they step into their house. We're going to hear about what influenced this value, how they enact it in their own lives, and a few tips for growing in our own ability to give and receive hospitality. So, here's Mike and Annie Zentera. This one's for you, alumni. Mike and Annie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks Hi. for having us, John. How are you two doing today? Doing pretty well. Yeah, hanging in there. That's good. That's good. We're having this conversation during a nap time, so we'll see how this yeah. goes. It's true. <laughs> One kid off at school, the other kid sleeping. <laughs> yes, the joys of parenthood. Maybe another conversation we'll have down the road. Today, that's not what we're going to be talking about. Today, we're going to talk about hospitality. But before we get into that, tell me just a little bit about who you are, who are the Zenteras outside of just the people that are going to be talking about hospitality? I'm Annie Zentera, and we work together actually on the alumni team with InterVarsity. I'm an administrative assistant for the alumni team. I help with keeping the calendar organized, taking notes during meetings, planning events, pretty much anything that helps keep the team functioning and running smoothly. I like to help out with those things. And we benefit greatly from it. That's for <laughs> <Amen>. sure. <laughs> we desperately need Annie. Yes. Yeah. Mike Zentera. I also work on the alumni team. I'm the associate director for alumni engagement for InterVarsity. Everything that I work on is trying to help our alumni navigate life after college. So adding resources to their lives, helping them find churches, thinking about this thing called After Four. It's a podcast. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of it. But yeah, it's a way to help our alumni stay connected to InterVarsity and remember the way that God met them during their time in InterVarsity. And Mike is my supervisor. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you've heard a previous conversation with a supervisor. No, I did not get fired. <laughs> I just have a different supervisor. It is now Mike, not Jason. The dreaded reorg happened. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We've done some restructuring. <laughs> and now you're stuck with me. Sorry, John. Yeah, at least for now. We'll see. We'll see how long that will last. <laughs> 
I can be a hard uh, guy to supervise, I suppose. <laughs> well, okay, so let's let's. That was a joke. I I don't think I'm. Hard. I hope hope you are not. not. You are not. Just to be clear, you are not. <laughs> okay, great. I'm glad to hear that. You never know. Sometimes. Okay, so then let's just keep getting to know the two of you. Where did you go to school? When did you graduate? Let's dig into the past here just a little bit. So I went to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, and I graduated in 2010. I went to Purdue University, and I graduated in 2011. What did you study? I studied general health science. I was planning to be a physical therapist. And then when I went to fill out my grad school applications and it asked, why do you want to become a physical therapist? My best answer was, I think I'd be good at it. <laughs> so it seemed like maybe that wasn't the direction that God was leading me. I was way more excited about InterVarsity. So I came on staff instead. Nice. So I studied journalism, news editorial, so like writing, magazine, newspaper, that sort of thing, and felt a sense of God calling me when I was a graduating student instead of telling people stories, helping them shape their stories. And so that's why I came on staff. I always love hearing how people ended up. How did you get here? Let's talk a little bit more about InterVarsity. What did that time look like for you? How did you get connected in the first place? Let's just reminisce. Yeah, I have a weird connection story. Oh, great. I was driving down on my way to visit the University of Illinois, and my dad had just gotten into a car accident and was talking to our insurance agent, who was from our church. And the insurance agent said, hey, when you go to visit U of I, you should go check out InterVarsity. My son works on staff there. And so because we knew that, I went and visited InterVarsity as a part of my college visit. And that's how I found out about InterVarsity. Wow. Because of a car accident. <laughs> that's amazing. Annie, how about you? I joined a sorority my freshman year. I didn't know anybody on campus. So on bid night, the day that you find out what sorority you're joining, you go over to the house and you get to know all the sisters. And on that night, one of the sisters invited me to Greek IV. I went to large group the next week. And so I got connected to five other freshman women who were in a freshman Bible study. So that was really helpful to have right away my freshman year and then throughout my college experience, a place to figure out how Greek and Christian go together. And were there places that your time with Greek University in particular was especially transformative? I went to Greek conference my freshman year, and that Bible study group was really transformative, getting to hear about other people's experience in the church and relationships with Jesus. And then at that conference, it kind of helped put all those moments together and really helped me decide to start following Jesus as an adult. So I like knew about God and had grown up in the church. And then a Greek conference really decided, okay, I know more of what this means. I know more of who Jesus is, not just what he is. And so that was a really transformative experience for me. I've been to a Greek conference once before. I have to say it's got to be like one of the best conferences that InterVarsity puts on. It's fantastic. Mike, what about you? Any standout memories from your time with InterVarsity? I think my time in InterVarsity was really where I learned how to lead well, and I learned how to create space for others well. My role was to try to help other students connect with their friends who didn't follow Jesus and teach them how to help their friends 
dig into the Bible and, and discover Jesus for who he is and to lead events where everyone was welcome on campus and a safe place for them to explore their questions or express their doubts about faith. That really awoke a longing to both see people encounter Jesus, but also to create space for people to bring who they are and experience the love of Jesus in the midst of community. That primarily played itself out in my dorm. I lived in the same dorm for four years and was an RA for two of them. I was pretty consistently thinking about how can the residents of Pennsylvania Avenue Residence Hall experience Jesus today and how can I bring Jesus into that space? As I'm hearing both of you talk, it's not surprising to me that we're going to spend some time talking about hospitality because <laughs> it seems like for both of you in your journeys with Jesus through InterVarsity as students, and I'm sure as staff as well, that hospitality has been a part of shaping who you are, the way that you engage with Jesus and the way that you invite people to engage with Jesus. And we've alluded to this so many times already that I'm not even going to do the fake setup for us here. We already know where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> we already know that we're going to talk about hospitality. And I already know that one of the great joys and one of the ways that you two live into your faith in your everyday life is hospitality. That's like a landmark Zentera thing. So I would like to know, why do you consider hospitality a way to live out your faith in your post-college life? I think a thing that we've noticed as Annie and I have lived life together is we're surrounded by busy people. And particularly for us in this season of life, we have a lot of friends that have young kids or are at significant moments in their career. And so they're investing deeply there. But even in the midst of all of that busyness, two things remain true. People are designed for a relationship with one another and they need to eat. Uh, <laughs> food is a necessity. Yes. Uh, and so we found that creating space for people to connect over great food has been a really important way for us to express the love of Jesus to other people and to experience the love of Jesus as we host them. We have one friend in particular who we've gotten to know over the last two years, and he would say he's walked away from the faith. He's a, a hopeful agnostic. Is that what he calls himself? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He calls himself a hopeful agnostic. But as we've gotten to know him and feed him, he worked in university residence life for a while. He's moved to a different area at Purdue now, but really appreciated home cooked meals instead of dining hall food. We would come over, feed him, send him home with lots of leftovers. But yeah, he asks us more and more questions about faith and he'll ask us questions seeking out our faith perspective. That's been a really life-giving way to love somebody and see him become more and more curious about faith, especially given his background. The other thing that I would say as we're thinking about how does this help us live out our faith, I've been struck by Henry Nowen as an author and thinker. He describes hospitality as a means primarily for the creation of a free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. It's not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. And it's not to bring men and women over to our side, but to offer freedom not disturbed by dividing lines. So for me, just the ability to create space for people to come and bring their full selves into that space. And hopefully, if we're living out our faith well, experiencing the love of Jesus in the midst of that space, not with the intent to change them, not with the intent to persuade them with no agenda, but rather just to help them experience and know the love of Jesus through some really good food or through a great conversation. 
So often as we think about sharing our faith or winning people over to faith, we have to win or it's a competition or it's a debate. We position ourselves against one another. Hospitality is a way to actually position ourselves alongside someone in the midst of their story and to walk with them wherever God has them. Mike, like you said, everybody has to eat. This is common ground. No matter what we think or believe or experience differently, we all need to eat food. We can start on even ground here and then we can move into maybe places where we don't agree or we have questions, we're unsure out of that common ground together. As you two think about developing this value for hospitality, what are some influential moments that you look back on and say, this was really important for me in living out my faith this way? I think I learned a lot of hospitality from Mike's family. I remember him sharing stories about high school when his mom learned one of his friend's favorite snacks. Anytime that a friend came over, she had that snack ready to go or always had a certain drink in the fridge. And I just appreciated that thoughtfulness. And I could just imagine our home being the place where our kids' friends come over and hang out and feel safe and welcome. And I really wanted to start developing that kind of a habit and that kind of attitude in our family. Both my mom and my mother-in-law are really good at those things. Like you have the quintessential Christmas cookies that you grew up with. My mom asks Caitlin, my mother-in-law asks me, what cookies did you grow up with? And then every year you can count on that cookie being there. And that is really meaningful. It's a taste of home. Those are really amazing moments to have somebody that purposefully picks out something you like and to have it ready for you whenever you're there. And I think sometimes it can be really small things like that that make a big difference for somebody, making them feel thought of and welcomed. Yes, definitely. So, Mike, we've heard a little bit about your family growing up, but did you have further thoughts on people or experiences that helped to develop this value for hospitality in you? My family doesn't need a lot of excuse for parties. Pretty much anything can be a party. Taxes. Yeah, like we actually have a family tradition of a tax party where we go over and we have a family friend that does everyone's (laughs) taxes. He takes each couple or person down one at a time to go do their taxes. The party is going on upstairs. There's a great spread of food. There's good stories being told, right? It's a way to make a painful thing a little less painful. So for me, just seeing how food and space created stories and memories became really powerful for me growing up. And then as Annie and I stepped into our marriage, the passage that we actually had read at our wedding was pretty formative. We had decided, hey, we want this hospitality thing to be true of us in our marriage. And so we chose the parable of the great banquet in Luke 14 to be our wedding passage. That's what we want our marriage to be like. We want it to be a reflection of the kingdom of God where all people are invited in and we go out and we compel people to come in. And part of compelling people to come in is creating a space that's inviting and compelling. Wow. What an awesome image. Let's take this just a little bit further. What does hospitality look like in the Zentera household as you two have developed and shaped it? It looks like a lot of different things. It could mean hosting people for a meal. It could mean throwing a great party. It could mean doing a cookout for a ministry event. It could mean thinking of people intentionally by creating a gift bag for them at a conference. It could be taking a meal to people that are in need or we feel prompted by the spirit to give them a meal. There's a variety of ways. I think ultimately what it boils down to is how can we think intentionally about other people and how can we serve them with the gifts that God's given us? Yeah, one story 
recently. Mike went to a conference at Purdue and one of our friends actually was giving a talk on the gift of giving. And Mike came home and said, hey, our friend gave us a really good talk. He and his wife are both professors. It's the beginning of the school year. Let's take them a meal. And I was like, oh, great. I love that. So we saw them at church and we said, hey, can we bring you a meal soon? Would that bless you? She just had a shocked face and she said, can we give it to someone who really needs it? And we said, you really need it. Can we bring it to you? (laughs) We didn't have them over for dinner. We dropped off the meal. We spent maybe 10 minutes chatting with her, but they felt really blessed by being able to save some time on dinner that night and texted us later about how much they enjoyed the food. And yeah, I get so much joy out of being able to provide food. You can extend hospitality in a number of ways. I really like cooking. So that's mostly how my hospitality gift comes out is in feeding people. And just to name, when you graduated, it's not like you were a great cook. No, I did not know how to cook when I graduated. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) I was maybe a better cook, if I can toot my own horn. I, I was you maybe, may say that. <laughs> I was maybe a little better cook, but we learned how to cook together and we learned how can we expand our palate of what we can make and make things that feel like home for other people. You know, as we're thinking about alumni that are in the last couple of months stepping into this world of like, oh my goodness, hanging out with people, developing relationships, hospitality, it looks so different now. How would you recommend alumni go about developing the practice of hospitality, especially new alumni who are developing their own post-college rhythms or alumni like me (laughs) who just don't consider hospitality one of their strengths? What are some things that you would offer up to them for developing those rhythms well? I think hospitality is a lot about seeing people and making sure they know they are cared for and loved. So like I said, my hospitality often comes out in the form of food or inviting people over to our home. But if you're not a good cook, that's okay. You can still be hospitable. Just doing small things like inviting a friend out to eat at their favorite restaurant, not even saying, where do you want to go to eat? But I know you like this place. Let's go to lunch together. Or if you listen to a podcast, like maybe the After 4 podcast, <laughs> yes, and you think, oh, my friend would really enjoy that, send that to them. So I think just small things can be a good way to start practicing hospitality to let your friends know you're thinking about them and you know them, you know what they like, and you want to care for them. I like that. That's a helpful reframe because so often when I do think about hospitality, I think about what does it look like to invite people into my home well? And that's obviously part of hospitality, but there are other ways that you can be hospitable. You know, how would I want someone to think of me and how can I think about them in that way? Second greatest commandment here, that it is more than just what's happening inside your home, but being thoughtful about what are the interests and things that others enjoy and inviting them into that, making that space that feels like home for them. The other person who's formed me as I think about hospitality is Fred Rogers, aka Mr. Rogers. Yes. Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor, right? I think of the song that he sings, It's You I Like. How can I communicate that it's not anything about how someone looks or how they act? It's just the fact that they are. And how can I express the fact that I like them just the way they are? Because that's the way that God sees them. And even something as simple as, I know that you like this restaurant or you like this meal, this cookie, whatever it might be. Let's enjoy that thing together because you like it and I like you. And I want you to know that God loves you just the way I do. 
Yes. To live into a, a spirit of hospitality that reflects the hospitality of Jesus, of welcoming people in. Any other advice that either of you would give for people trying to grow in their hospitality? I mean, practically, learning to cook is a great hobby. <laughs> Very practical, too. <laughs> right? So, like, learning how to cook, for us, actually, a formative experience for Annie and I when we were first married. So, InterVarsity is part of IFES, the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students. And they send out a prayer guide. And so one of the things we started doing is once a week on Wednesdays, we would make a meal from the country that they had in their prayer guide. And then we would spend some time praying for that, right? Like, so that was a way for us to experiment with new flavors and to broaden our palates so that no matter who we met, no matter what their comfort food was, we had some experience making food that would be their love language, right? So experimenting, trying out tasty videos or whatever it is, right? And if cooking is not your thing, that's okay. But it might be your thing. You may just have not tried it yet. These are really great ideas, great things for people to be able to hold on to. But then there's a whole other side to hospitality, and that is receiving hospitality. Annie, you told a story just a little bit ago about you wanting to bring a meal and somebody saying, well, can we give it to somebody who actually needs it? And you're like, you need it. This is for you. Sometimes hospitality is for us. We are on the receiving end of hospitality. And I think sometimes like receiving a compliment, it can be very difficult to receive hospitality. What advice do you have for people who are being invited into places and maybe they're just not really sure what to do about that? I probably would have the same reaction as my friend. <laughs> I'm not always good at receiving hospitality because I get so much joy out of being hospitable. It's hard for me to put myself on the other side. One thing I think that I've grown in is when we invite friends over for dinner, a lot of people will say, what can I bring? And I used to say, don't worry about it. I've got it covered because I wanted them to just come over and enjoy themselves. And then I realized, well, I like cooking. So if I went to somebody's house, I would want to bring something. So I have started saying, if you would like, you may bring a dessert or a side dish. But I want to make sure they don't feel pressured to bring anything. But it's like, a, if this would bring you joy, please do so. So that's one way that I've learned to receive hospitality is trying to put myself in the other person's shoes. And if it would bring me joy to do something, maybe it would bring them joy to do something and just saying, yes, thank you. <laughs> I really like that because it makes that space feel even more like our space. Just like when we think about students on campus and you get somebody new in the door at large group and it's like, what are ways that I can get people engaged in this space? Even something as simple as can you turn the lights on and off at the appropriate moment? I will give you the cues so that they start to own that experience themselves. And it's our thing, not someone else's large group I'm coming to. That's pretty cool. Asking somebody to bring something or if you're somebody who's receiving hospitality to say, can I bring something and to be a part of owning that space together. It's funny that you brought up receiving a compliment because I think there's a thing that those two things have in common. And that's simply to just say thank you and to not feel like you have to bring value. You don't have to bring something. If someone's offering to have you over for dinner, they may not need you to bring anything over and you can just say thank you because maybe they just want your presence. Maybe they just want to create the space. There can be a real gift and just saying thank you and being really appreciative. My grandparents are really great at showing their appreciation. And I learned that from them. They say thank you for everything. Like, thanks for calling me. Small things that don't cost me anything. I wanted to talk to my grandma and grandpa. So I called them, right? The ability to express gratitude and to just simply say thank you is really, really meaningful. The other thing that I'll throw out there is 
if someone's inviting you over for dinner, one of the things that Annie and I actually really love sometimes is if they jump in and just help with the dishes. The sometimes caveat is if we're just getting to know someone and they're new, we usually will say something like, don't worry about it. We can do the dishes later. But if it's our good friends and we have them over all the time and they jump in and they do the dishes, that's such a blessing. That's a way for them to express hospitality to us. Hey, we know you cooked, we'll clean. And so if you have those kind of deep relationships where you're expressing hospitality, that can be a great way to do kind of a two-way thing as well. That's when you know you're no longer friends, you're family. And so family does dishes. <laughs> that's right. Something else that is small that you can practice on your own is noticing details that make you feel welcomed or loved. So when you are going someplace, whether it's to a restaurant or whether it's to a friend's house or back to your parents' house, notice what makes me feel welcomed, loved, noticed, and like I have space to be fully me in this space. And then ask yourself the question, how can I do that for other people? What are the details? What are the little things? Is it the music? Is it the questions someone asks? Is it the food? What are those little things that you notice that make you feel welcome? And how can you provide that for other people? That's awesome. As we learn to receive hospitality well, we can learn how to be hospitable, that those can feed into each other. And that by being good hosts, we can learn how to receive hospitality well also. So I think we've given a lot of really great practical advice here, but let me just open the floor one last time. Is there anything, whether it's in the realm of hospitality or just post-college advice, is there one last piece of parting advice that you would give, especially for our new alumni as they're engaging with their post-college life? I would tell alumni, be really gentle with yourself. Transition can be hard. It can be confusing. It can be fun. But however it is in that moment, <laughs> be really gentle with yourself. As things change, you may feel like you're doing something wrong or it should be different. I thought it was going to be this, but it's not. Nothing is broken. You're not weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the reality of transitioning to something different. Look to God for his love and comfort in the change and be gentle with yourself. In the midst of change, the Lord is with you wherever you go. If he feels near or far, he's with you and he walks with you in the midst of transition, in the midst of loneliness. God is with you and he will continue to be with you. Zenteras, this has been super fun. And I can say from somebody who has experienced it firsthand, thank you for the example of hospitality that you set. And thank you for sharing some of your insider secrets with the rest of us today <laughs> on how to continue growing in our own hospitality and how to receive hospitality well. Thanks for having us. If anybody ever passes through West Lafayette, Indiana, stop on by. We usually have too much food. <laughs> <laughs> My parents live in Indiana, so this has got to happen. For the listeners that are alumni, Annie and I are actually going to be being hospitable at Urbana in the Alumni Connections space. So we'd love to meet you. We'd love to connect with you. Come experience the hospitality for yourself. I mean, I'm going to be hanging out there too because it's my job, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited to see what kind of space the Zenteras help curate at the Urbana Alumni Lounge. It's going to be a fun time hanging out together that week. So come on down and hang out with the Zenteras, find out firsthand what their hospitality is like at Urbana. Alumni, we want to see you there. Urbana's for you. All right. Thanks a lot, Zenteras. This has been a fun time. Thanks, John. Thanks for having us. I was recently watching a series on Netflix about pizza chefs. It's from a broader collection called Chef's Table. 
fascinating stories and delicious looking pizza. Subject matter isn't really important, I just wanted to share because I love pizza. What matters is that in episode 3, pizza chef Ann Kim, a South Korean immigrant who makes Korean cuisine-inspired pizza right here in the great state of Minnesota, and yes, now that I know that it exists, I fully intend to visit her establishment soon. Anyway, chef Ann Kim says this about the power of food. Pizza is one of those things that brings people together. We all have our differences, and if we can find common ground at a table, sharing a slice, then all is good, at least for that moment. That, to me, is the wonderful power of food. Yes, food. It is extraordinarily powerful and useful for bringing people together, but I think the Zenteros would tell us that it's more than that. It's the fact that we were created to need one another and need food. We long for fulfilling relationships in a place where we feel loved, welcomed, and understood, and we long for delicious pizza. It's because of the way our communal God created us to be communal people that hospitality and delicious food can do so much good. This must be why so many of the stories about Jesus take place around a meal, why heaven is depicted as a banquet. I mean, one of the sacraments, communion itself, uses food and drink as a symbol for Christ's redeeming work on the cross. If that's not enough evidence that gathering around the table together is good for us, then I don't know what is. Alumni, I hope after listening this week, you'll be quick to say yes the next time someone invites you into their home or out to eat, even if it's that older couple at church that you feel like you have nothing in common with. And whether or not you're receiving hospitable invitations from others, I hope this conversation today prompts you to take next steps in your own practice of hospitality toward others. I hope the After Four community is one that gives and receives the warm welcome of Jesus through hospitality. Zinteras, thank you for joining us this week. I had a blast talking with you and learning from your example. And as I already said, I am so excited to see what you have in store for us at Urbana. I will see you there. Okay, just a heads up, everyone. Next week, I'm going to be on vacation with my family. We're enjoying some of the last few days before my wife, Caitlin, returns to work from maternity leave. No, I'm not going to leave you high and dry with no episode, but what I am going to do is revisit a previous episode from what feels like ages ago. For those of you who are new to the show, it may be one you missed, and for all you longtime listeners, it'll be a fun opportunity to reconnect. We're going to be revisiting my conversation with University of Minnesota alumnus Nika and his experience with seasons of post-college life when it really seems like God is silent and no longer at work. Nika has some amazing insights, and I know that you'll enjoy hearing from him. After that, I'll be back with you again with a brand new episode. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe, turn on notifications, and set those episodes to download automatically. Have a great couple of weeks, and I will see you in the after, alumni.